sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. And here we are in year 22 of Freedom's Ring. And I just found out that my guest is also in his 22nd year serving as president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association. Greg Hamilton, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. And congratulations to your long-running show. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And you've been uh, a big support and guest from time to time. Um, The Establishment Clause, something that um, most Americans don't spend much time thinking about, but uh, (laughs) very critical to religious liberty. And uh, you had sent me an article a couple of months ago that caught my attention because it was an analysis of Justice Clarence Thomas's view of the establishment Mm -hmm. clause. You know, you think that Thomas has it wrong, but let's start with some, how would you explain his perspective on it? Well, he has a false view of federalism, and not to get too deep here, but federalism is essentially a, at least the way it was constructed by the constitutional framers, was to uh, basically uh, have a uh, a strong central government, and that was, of course, debatable. Um, some wanted more of a moderate or weak federal government, which the Southerners did. Um, but the Northerners, under Alexander Hamilton, uh, wanted a strong central government. But leaving independence and autonomy to the states, as long as their laws did not conflict with federal law, per se. At least that was the idea. They hadn't even got that far. So states continually conflicted with federal law. And Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, who was the architect of the anti-federalist view, uh, basically said, hey, states um, can do whatever they want. They can ignore the federal government whenever they want. It was called the nullification doctrine. And the problem is, is this left basic rights that were uh, established in the first eight amendments to the Constitution, basic rights, uh, free speech, um, you know, uh, freedom of religion, you name it, uh, the right to privacy, on and on and on, the right, the right not to, to incriminate trial. themselves, right to a jury trial, all these things, you know, they were not available to the average person or citizen, women, ethnic people, especially slaves, in the southern states. The southern states said, no, we have a better system, we have a better constitution. And so, in fact, many northern states had the same mindset for a long time. But the Civil War solved all that. And the problem with Thomas is he doesn't want to accept, basically, this is the irony, being an African-American, doesn't want to accept. He's bought into this false idea regarding the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment, uh, basically, at least the way the Supreme Court has ruled it over the years, over many different cases, has come up with what's called the incorporation doctrine. And the incorporation doctrine says, hey, all the rights that are under the Bill of Rights are made available finally to everyone in all the states. In other words, the states can't just say their laws are better and yet deprive their own citizens And so this is basically the problem with their thinking. And, uh, you know, there's this book by Laura F. Edwards from Duke University uh, School of Law 
It's called A Legal History of the Civil War and Reconstruction, A Nation of Rights. And in that book, she makes very clear that the longing of the people in the southern states was a longing basically have their rights um, be equal to everyone else's. And so they wanted access to the Federal Bill of Rights because it wasn't allowed in their state constitutions. And so um, they were bottled up. And so they needed to be free. And the Civil War did that. The Civil War decided that very powerfully. And this is something that to this day, well, with, uh, with the, the right wing doesn't want to accept. The 14th Amendment in particular is how at the end of the Civil War, the rights of the Bill of Rights were then consciously applied to all citizens and, and they're protected against state action to restrict their rights. Correct. Well, but this, what this article does in pointing out Thomas's view is that they believe uh, the author, um, James Rogers, uh, believes, along with Thomas, that basically the state, uh, the original establishment clause under the First Amendment, which says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, the establishment clause, he wrote, serves two purposes. It both prohibits Congress from establishing a religion, but it also prohibits Congress from meddling with state religious establishments, meaning that it's all right for states to establish any religious establishment that they want to even today. That said, that is the most bogus argument I have ever read in my life. And it's amazing how many people actually believe that, even among a small minority of scholars across this country. And it's something that needs to be corrected. Well, you know, I'm looking at this kind of from a strategic standpoint. What is the end game here? And it seems pretty apparent to me that if you can sell the courts on the establishment clause in the First Amendment applying only to the federal government, which is what they did with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, only right. applying to the federal government, then that leaves the states perfectly free to favor and establish Christian religion and to discriminate against other religious beliefs. Oh, one favored Christian religion over another. Um, well, that's yeah. Madison's warning from 200 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, if and the government can favor religion generally, it can favor one denomination over the others. Well, here's what he said. He said, um, who does not see that the same authority which can establish Christianity in exclusion of all other religions, may establish with the same ease any particular sect of Christians in exclusion of all other sects. I mean, this is, it's so fundamental. I mean, bottom line is, if you start favoring through taxation one religion over another, you have chaos, and you lose freedom of speech, you lose freedom of religion, unless you're the powerful majoritarian religion, whether that be Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, uh, Methodist, uh, Southern Baptist, whatever. All others uh, are damned or tolerated, merely tolerated. And that's, that's a throwback to the Puritan standard. That is not what the constitutional framers intended, especially the Civil War Amendments framers in the 68th Congress. And this, this is what this author and Clarence Thomas want people to forget. They want to basically nullify the 14th Amendment. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. So within the larger culture war context, we're also kind of refighting the Civil War. Yes, we are. Amazing, isn't it? We thought Civil War was over 150 years ago. 
Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, the and being directly related to Alexander Hamilton that I am, I take very seriously the arguments between Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton going through back to the founding. And when you look at their two arguments, Jefferson was very much holding on to a model that uh, was a Confederate model, a model that uh, basically said, hey, we states can do what we want. And when you make states so strong and autonomous, it can deprive uh, basic civil rights to their people, to their citizens, and uh, ignore the federal government. And it becomes an oppressive model, which has proven to be true. Um, and so the a strong central governmental approach where you have the uh, Bill of Rights, especially the First Amendment here that we're talking about, uh, the Establishment Clause, prohibits the establishment of religion or religious acts, per se, that is endorsed by the government. In fact, the whole, the, the most important word in that clause, when it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, is the word respecting and also the word and. The word respecting means at least as enunciated by the Supreme Court over the years, and specifically Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who's retired, um, is that government cannot support, sanction, or endorse any religious action, act, or worship. And that's vitally important to remember, because they cannot endorse, if they cannot sanction, if they cannot directly support, that means um, that the states have to abide by that. And if you follow Thomas's reasoning, then you obliterate that. You're saying, no, the states can do whatever they want. And uh, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. So we have the conservative wing of the Supreme Court actually trying to tear down uh, one of the fundamental protections for religious freedom in our country, which is the protection against government meddling with religion. And, you know, you stated one aspect of it, which is government uh, essentially endorsement and promotion of, of religious activities and religious beliefs. But the flip side of that is, is equally important. Uh, government is prohibited from cracking down on uh, particular religious practices or beliefs or being hostile to anybody's religion. So if, if you well, want your religion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the more fundamentally, just to go back to the original statement in the First Amendment where it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Well, who is Congress? Congress, since the 14th Amendment, means all levels of government, whether it's township, whether it's the city, whether it's the county, whether it's the state, uh, or the federal government. It means all levels of government, even school boards. Uh, it's all levels of government, and that's what it means. But Thomas wants to make it to where... Uh, it's just the federal government. Congress is only the federal government, you see. But that's that's why they want to eliminate the 14th Amendment, because then they can interpret that clause the way they want to. Well, and it's even more insidious, because uh, we have the Espinoza case now pending, which has to do with state laws that are also, like the Establishment Clause, that prohibit government support, funding, etc., of religion. And the court is poised, all of the commentators agree, that the court is likely to strike down this Minnesota law uh, and essentially say, well, we say that the First Amendment only restricts Congress, but when the states do the same thing, we're going to strike it down. So, yeah. you know, all of the states had also had their own non-establishment of religion provisions, and now those are being attacked. 
as well. Yeah, and they're even stronger than the federal. And it's a stricter standard, strict scrutiny standard uh, in most of the state. And uh, it's it's a really good thing, but it sounds like this is threatened. So um, not good. It is. Well, so much for the illusion that the conservatives, uh, at least in the courts, are the promoters of religious freedom. They may be at times, but when it comes to keeping government out of the affairs of the church, it appears that it's trouble ahead. Well, it's a Jeffersonian uh, interpretation of the Constitution, and it's, it's clearly wrong. You know, when you think of the whole federal-state dynamic, which I keep emphasizing, the whole notion of federalism, um, we have to remember that these conservatives want to return to a time in which the federal government is weakened and the states are strengthened to such a point that they can basically do whatever they want. Their interpretation of the Constitution is not according to the 14th Amendment. They basically want to nullify the incorporation doctrine of the 14th Amendment as understood by the Supreme Court and as they have interpreted it, basically making the Bill of Rights applicable at the state level, which means the strict scrutiny and the strict non-establishment standards and separation of church and state that's been our hallmark as a country for years. They want to return us back to the Puritan days in which churches are favored through taxation and states can favor whatever church they want. And that's the issue here and that's, that's their goal. I've been talking today with my friend and colleague Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association. We've been talking about a false understanding of the First Amendment's Establishment Clause that has been promoted by none other than Associate Justice Clarence Thomas. Greg, as always, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Absolutely. Thank you. And as we close, remember, friends, here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We have a vigorous legal services program helping especially workers suffering religious discrimination. So do check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Runnock. Until next week, let freedom ring.